Welcome to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm joined by Lauren LaDuke. Lauren is a visionary, teacher, intuitive, mentor, and mama. With the special gifts of cultivating community and creating accessible experiences, Lauren has taught thousands of students with her approachable and intelligent methodology. She's compassionate, thoughtful, and deeply invested in creating opportunities for others to grow and shine. And she has a new book out called Embody Your Inner Goddess, A Guided Path to Radical Wholeness, which is a seven-week chakra journey. I really enjoyed speaking with Lauren, who has recently released her book, Embody Your Inner Goddess. We get into a variety of subjects, including Lauren's journey onto her spiritual path, experiencing and managing emotions, the importance of spirituality and meditation, the concept of the inner goddess and sacred feminine, and the chakra system. We talk a lot about how a balanced approach includes both the masculine and feminine qualities, and how this can lead to harmony and self-growth. So you're going to get a lot out of this episode. I want to see you at the Sedona Ascension Retreat that Suzanne Ross is hosting March 8th through the 10th. I went to her retreat for the fall equinox, and I had such a beautiful time that I want to make sure you guys know that there's another opportunity coming right up. She's going to have amazing speakers like Bashar, Anita Morgiani, Wendy Kennedy, Michael Jaco, Ruben Langdon, Maureen St. Germain, Rob Gauthier, and many, many more. I highly recommend joining this great event. Use code MEDITATION for 10% off your ticket. Go to SedonaAscensionRetreats.com to get all the info. And now enjoy this episode. So welcome, Lauren. So happy to have you here today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much, Kara. So let's start by talking about what led you onto the path that you're on here in terms of yoga and spiritual teaching. Yes. So I grew up in the Midwest of the U.S., so in the Bible Belt in a very evangelical Christian community. And you're I in, didn't have a lot are of... Are you in Missouri? Yeah, I'm in Kansas City, Kansas Missouri. Kansas City. Okay, I'm in the Indianapolis okay. area. Okay, so you're familiar with the culture. and Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't really have much exposure during my childhood to yoga or really anything outside the realm of my religion and upbringing. Did you uh, besides grow up maybe evangelical. But... <laughs> okay. Yes. I did. So when I was a teenager, I really started questioning things like many do. And I had a lot of stuff compound all at once where the pressure of fitting in and being the good girl and achieving and then this questioning and not truly like knowing or loving myself turned into a really nasty eating disorder and at age 17 my parents put me in like an inpatient program thankfully to treat it and that's where I was exposed to yoga for the first time one of the nurse practitioners was also a yoga teacher. We weren't allowed to do a lot of movement. We could do really slow walks, and that was about it. So I joined in really just because oh, I'm like, oh, great, I get to move and stretch my body. I was a dancer. So I was surprised to feel the 
connection that I was able to feel in this dark room with a couple candles lit and listening to the breath and really going inward and feeling quiet at a time where just things felt really chaotic and I was confronted with really my own psyche, like through all of the the therapy and other things that were happening at the time. So that was my first exposure. And the questioning really led to releasing my religion and being more or less agnostic for a while, but still feeling like the pull um, spiritually to keep exploring and figure out what feels right to me. So over many years, uh, I still struggled with the eating disorder as well as depression and anxiety and some addiction that while also still exploring and expanding somehow at the same time. And then yoga really played an integral part of my healing about 10 years after that first class. I had tried everything. I ended up moving back home here to Kansas City after living in different places and really exploring and trying and failing at a lot of things. And I really started taking my spiritual life and my healing very seriously. And things changed really fast. A couple of years later, I became a yoga teacher. And once that clicked into place, over the last 10 years, my self-love has grown so much. My career has grown and thrived. And my interests have really expanded. Or I'd say like my dharma has really expanded into, yes, I'm teaching yoga, but also this work with the sacred feminine, which is so different than what I grew up with. Because in Christianity, there's it's monotheistic, patriarchal. It's patriarchal. Yeah. Exactly. So by opening my mind up to all of these different cultures and experiences and personal spiritual experiences, I was able to see myself in the divine and the divine in me uh, in a much different way mm-hmm. than what I had learned growing up. And I always, I felt that spark and I felt the love and the joy from the divine as a kid but I didn't know how to define it outside of the parameters I was given. So it's very different now. And I don't want to bash how I grew up. And I know that um, different religions and faiths can serve people in different ways. But for me, I needed to figure out what really felt true outside of dogma. I love that. And I think that's such an important point that our religions or faith or or whatever it is that it can really serve a purpose. I just released an episode recently as we're recording this on on cults and had somebody in who had escaped the Jehovah's Witness cult that they were born into. And, And it just, there have been a lot of discussions that I've had with other people and listeners and so forth based on that. And it's like, we can really be served by an organization or by a religion when it's the right time and it's the right step on our path. And it may be that we're born into it, but there might be somebody who finds an evangelical church right now and they are addicted and they're lost and they have no footing for anything spiritual. And that might be the right guidance and structure and discipline that they need at that time. But it is this whole listening and is this still resonating or am I stagnant? Am I just going on this hamster wheel because I'm afraid to get off of it because I am afraid that I'm going to be punished if I don't? Or do I think that this is the only path or 
whatever. And it's interesting because we can also experience that when we take a leap into a new lineage, a new kind of thing that serves us for a little while. And it may be that we continue our evolution and then that's no longer as powerful for us going forward after a certain point. And so we always want to be on the lookout for, is this still serving me? Is this still lighting my fire? Or am I starting to get to where I'm afraid to look at other things because my teacher is really into this one lineage? And I remember somebody telling me once when I was in in a um, following a specific line of teaching and I was interested in the Enneagram and I asked somebody in the community if they'd ever looked into the Enneagram and they're like, if the guru didn't, wasn't interested in the Enneagram and, and he's given us all of the gifts that we will need for our self-realization, then why would I be interested in the Enneagram? And it was like, oh, they didn't think of it like that, you know, and like looking back on that, it's like, wow, there's a lot of closed, like, protection and and like only follow what this one person is saying and so it's interesting we want to keep checking in even when we have evolved out of something that maybe was serving us so i just really yeah. appreciate your approach and that whole the whole perspective of it's not that i'm saying that what i came from was wrong or anything it's just all we're all evolving yeah i really i appreciate everything you're saying um, which brings up a couple of points for me. One is, I think as spiritual seekers, that discernment is just so important. And I feel lucky you know, that I had that early experience where I, they're not really asking for discernment. They're asking for cooperation Ooh. with the religion or with yeah. the teacher, whatever it might be. And I feel a lot of people come out of growing up with religion and then they fall right into another I don't want to say cult necessarily, although that could be the case, but another situation with some sort of authoritarian rule that takes away your autonomy. So for me, being in a space where you're free to explore what feels right to you and your intuition, that is free from someone telling you that this is the way things are and you can't think, you can't question that, you can't like move outside of that. Like to me, being in that is being in the feminine. It's being in the mystery rather than someone telling you they know exactly the way things are because no one really knows. I think we have glimpses of the divine through our experiences, but no one can tell us how to connect with the divine. Yeah, I agree. I appreciate that. I think that, and we can get caught up in that, right? Where it's like, oh, I, I had a glimpse because I did this, I fasted for this long, or I, you know, and we want that. Right? A lot of people are like, oh, you got a glimpse of it. I want a glimpse of it. So let me do what you did. And there, and there is valid to a point, you know, it's just, it's always such a balance where um, it's, again, not to say that our teachers don't offer us anything, but just like you're saying, that discernment and that like we all have our own path as well and we're forging that path as we go. So we also don't want to just emulate step by step what somebody else is doing. And I'm really curious if you can talk to us more about this sacred feminine and why this is so important. Yeah, absolutely. So my first exposure, I think, to goddesses and to sacred feminine 
was through yoga and through the different goddesses of Hinduism and really studying them, kind of awakening them and embodying them within me was really crucial, I think, in my journey because they're also vastly different. Yes, some are nurturing, but some are wild and some are warriors. And there's like Kali, she's the destroyer. She destroys ignorance. And there's there are muses. There, there's a goddess of abundance, which was the first one that I, I was exposed to. So there are many goddesses in many different cultures, and I've had a lot of fun and deep experiences studying them through the years. But when I'm talking about sacred feminine and the inner goddess, I'm talking about something a little bit more personal. So it's not it's not this goddess from a tradition. It's our own connection to our own inner divinity particularly the feminine aspect of that. So to go a little bit further, um, I know you have spiritual listeners, so this might not be new information, but in the yogic body and in many traditions, we hold these polarities within us of masculine and feminine, and they're not distinct to any gender. They just exist within us as humans, really similar to the yin and the yang. And the masculine is penetrating and solar and linear and structured. And the feminine is more wild and cyclical, receptive, cool, lunar. So we hold these qualities. We all have qualities within us that don't always make sense, right? They, we have these opposing qualities that we can uh, maybe feel out of balance sometimes. We're feeling more one than the other. For me, when I look at our culture as a whole, over most of the world and over you know, several thousand years, it leans very heavily toward the masculine in a way that's become very unhealthy, where there are these hierarchies, where there is more power and control and domination through men and less power and control through women. I'm not saying that I'm promoting like a matriarchy necessarily. What I'm asking for is for us to each look within and love on these more feminine qualities, men and women, although I work particularly with women, to create more balance, more wholeness, and eventually a world that feels more balanced and whole, where there's collaboration over competition, where we're taking care of the earth rather than conquering it, where people have the freedom to be themselves. I love that. I think too of when I think of masculine and feminine, I think of the masculine as being like the doer, always doing. Mm -hmm. And then the feminine is like the background space or like the holding of the space for the doing. And it's like we have such a also within going back to your point of how we have all of us have this within us. It's not like the men have the masculine and the women have the feminine. It's this beautiful, if we allow it this beautiful balance that we could have within us, but we have attributes of both within us. But we, particularly in the West, tend to be so focused on the doing, go, 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 go. And in that way, also our feminine nature can be squandered because we're not allowing, just allowing and being and letting, just holding that space for what wants to be done to rise. You know? Mm -hmm. so yeah, it squashes creativity. It squashes our connection to like the moon cycles and to nature. I think it 
makes people feel like they need to fit in little boxes. Oh, I love that. That we need to show up exactly the same every day. And we're just not meant to. I will also say while we all have masculine and feminine inside of us, there are also hormonal factors that might make it a little bit easier for people with menstrual cycles, for instance, to embrace this feminine if given the tools. And same with the masculine on the other side, like they have a 24-hour hormonal cycle and women have a 28, 29, 30-day hormonal cycle. So for us to have to try to show up in such a way that men are expected to, it's just, it doesn't fit. Mm. We can try and we can medicate, we can deny parts of ourselves, but is that leaving room for like the magic, I guess, of the feminine, which is like more creativity, more flow, Mm -hmm. more deep connection, both to nature and to intuition. There's got to be space for both, I think. That's beautiful. What have you noticed in your own expression as you've developed this connection, this strengthening of your divine feminine? I've noticed really being able to harness qualities that I saw before as weaknesses and making them into my strengths. That's been like one of the biggest things. For instance, I was going to say, yeah, I've always had the capacity to feel in a big big way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) feel all the emotions. And when I was really little and I have a almost three-year-old daughter now, so I see this within her, you know, the emotions would come and they would storm up and then pass through. But it gave me a really, I think, deep connection to life and an artistic outlook also, being able to feel in, in these ways. And as I got older, I had to shove that down. Uh, it's not appropriate to feel your emotions like that in every situation, or at least that's what I was taught. I love my dad, but he's a super, he's always been this very like authoritarian figure. And my mom taught me as I got older to like not cry as he yelled at me and to like, quote unquote, take it like a man. So I kind of learned that my emotions weren't appropriate over time. And I also felt like there was something wrong with me because I would just feel things so deeply still. Like I would feel so affected by the energy around me and by the people around me. So even if a situation wasn't directly affecting me, it still could really make it difficult for me to function um, and show up the same every day. So what I learned uh, in my 20s, deprogramming all of this is that I'm a highly sensitive person and that there's nothing wrong with that. Our culture isn't necessarily set up for highly sensitive people to thrive, but through my own practice and really through entrepreneurship too, because I can create my own schedule and create my own boundaries, I've been able to take this sensitivity and make it into a superpower through teaching yoga, through mothering, through being an intuitive now, through art and writing, like being able to be in touch with our emotions in that way. It's beautiful. It's a medium for creation. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. So this podcast is the Meditation Conversation, and I'd love to know the role of meditation in your practice. Meditation has been a total game changer for my life. I still pray, but that was my only method for connecting to the divine. And as I was learning to meditate, just receiving and listening 
was so mind expanding for me. I didn't know how to meditate at first. I would go to a Kriya Yoga Center on Sundays when I lived in Chicago in my early 20s, kind of learned a method through there and it felt okay. I would also sit and just visualize or let visualizations come to me. And I actually visualized the chakras before I knew what they were or really anything about them. I would (laughs) visualize myself as a prism, like white light coming through me in different colors coming out, like the rainbow spectrum. So I do my own thing. This was, I'm 39. So, you know, 20 years ago, there just wasn't the same information out there. You had to go to a library rather than just pull up the internet and find all these different courses and teachers on all these different ways to meditate. Um, And then I learned more structured meditation through my yogic practices. And there are so many that I love. There isn't like one that I've stuck with through all the years, just because to me, like there's this huge toolbox. So I use what I need in the time. Mm -hmm. And I love exploring different methods of meditation. But for me, like really understanding the way the mind works through a yogic lens, meaning that there is chitta vritti, which is like the whirling of thoughts and just all the mind stuff, they call it, that's going on all the time. So to be able to like pull back into the seat of the observer and just see that and even see it settle is so incredibly empowering. And it brings us in touch with our own soul, with our inner voice, with our intuition. That's certainly what it's done for me. So being able to cut the noise, go inward and connect to the divine is just such a beautiful reality check Mm. (laughs) that we can find every single day. So it's been incredibly important to me and it's constantly evolving too. Like I have a little kid right now sitting for even 30 minutes in meditation. Like that is a lot to ask. So finding small potent moments are really important to me. And also for moving my body and doing some breath work beforehand is very effective as well because I need to like move my energy Mm -hmm. very much in the feminine, the movement and connecting through movement so that there's more spaciousness to go in Mm -hmm. to meditation is really important. Beautiful. I love what you talk about where you're bringing, like where you were picturing yourself as a prism and that light was coming in and then coming out in the rainbows. I know that your book is, you know, the chakras play an integral role in your book. Can you talk about how how the chakras are, how you use them in your book? Yeah, for sure. So for me, they're similar to something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So we look at like the root chakra and it's all about survival and our bodies and our root and our foundation, money, like all of the things that we need simply to like survive in this world and to create strong roots to grow from. As we move up the chakra system, we get into, yes, some of this still like very human things, but we go up and up and we connect to the divine, right? So to me, they're this beautiful like organization system of what makes us human and what makes us spirit as well. So as we go through the book, we start from the bottom, we start from the root, and we look at some really heavy things, to be honest, especially for women, like relationship with our own bodies, um, our inner child's children, pardon, with money, with our relationship to the earth, 
we look at these different factors and really like consider what our relationship is to all these things and start to really love on all of these different aspects of self too. And then we move up through the week. So we spend one week in each chakra. Um, There's daily readings and then reflections. So an opportunity to journal um, on the topic and then some sort of embodiment practice to really drive the information home. And then each week we can look at these different aspects of self. So week one is in the root. Again, it's about like your foundation as a human. We move up to the sacral chakra, which is in the womb space. And it's all about creation and sensuality and flow. And and then we open up and up. So we get to look at these different aspects of self till we finally get to the crown, which is our connection to source, to goddess. And to me, by looking at ourselves in this way, it's really systematic because like we journey upward and we don't really leave anything unturned because the chakra system is so comprehensive in that way. And we get to go from like the densest to the lightest chakras, which is nice. So we, we don't be- bypass anything. We go into like our humanity before going up to this connection with the divine. I think when we bypass the lower chakras, we are doing ourselves a disservice. We're not really fully able to connect because we're denying specific parts of ourself or maybe shoving things down that need to be loved on and looked at. I love that. And I, one of the lineages that I've been in over, over time, I remember very clearly one of the teachers talking about, because I wanted to know more about the chakras and they were like, just focus on the third eye because, and then everything else will come into balance. And I was like, okay. And then, and then I kept going on the spiritual path and I was like, oh, that was not good advice. That's not going to create balance. We have this whole human part of us that needs to be seen and we need to work through it. We need to embrace it and accept it and work with what's, what is there within those chakras that is, can be blocking energy flow and just be things that need to be released. And it doesn't just happen automatically by overemphasizing one chakra. No, yeah. And I think you see a lot of spiritual people who are well-meaning who are focused more on the upper chakras who just don't have a sense of groundedness. Mm -hmm. And I would just question like, why say we choose to be here on earth? That's my opinion or my belief, right? Why would we choose to be in a body and having a human experience if we weren't meant to embrace that part of ourselves? Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So tell us, Lauren, how people can find out more about you and get your book. Yes, you can connect with me at my website, which is laurenleduc.com, L-A-U-R-E-N-L-E-D-U-C. I'm also hanging out on Insta. I am Lauren Leduc is my name there. I have a um, podcast called Your Spiritual Besties with my best friend Rashida, and we just riff on all kinds of spiritual topics. We do live readings too, which are really fun. Um, So you can connect with me in those places. My book is available where books are sold. So you can go through a local bookseller. You can go to the big guys, whatever you prefer. And yeah, I do one-on-one chakra and inner goddess readings. So I connect with the client's inner goddess and she helps take me through the different chakras and see what can maybe be balanced or loved on. So yeah, a lot of different ways to connect with me and just 
You know, I love when people actually reach out directly. So I think for you, Kara, and probably me, a lot of the work we do, we put out in the world and we put it out and just hope that it touches lives or makes change. But it means like everything to actually hear directly from somebody. So if something touches you or makes a difference or you have questions or want to connect more, just reach out directly. I'm always happy to hear from people. I'm sure you feel the same way. Absolutely. That's so well said. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. And uh, congratulations on your book. It's so lovely to meet you and connect with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Karen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love to ask you for one quick favor, and that's to share this episode with one person who you think will benefit from it. Let them know you're thinking about them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.